Hey guys, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, just a preempt to this one. It's a little old, so uh, pre Brian getting married and pre pre John driving around on a motorcycle and pre a lot of stuff. So, uh, but it's an old one. It's a good one that we somehow overlooked uh, during the pandemic times. So I hope y'all enjoy it and uh, have at it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this wonderful Sunday afternoon here at uh, Late on the Table. I got uh, my buddies here. We're back together. We're reuniting for a podcast. It's been difficult with the pandemic and separation and job changes. John's got a new situation now in his job he'll tell you about. And mm-hmm. Brian's been really busy with his. And, and so finally we're back. We're recording a podcast. And I'm glad you guys are still listening to whatever we have been putting out in the interim. Uh, I thank you for continuing to do so, and uh, I hope you enjoy this one. Um, today, I got with me, of course, John. Hello, everybody. And Brian. Yo. And I, myself, Aaron, I'm here. Um, you can reach out to us where, if you ever want to. At laidon.thetable for Instagram, or email is laidonthetable4, the number four, at gmail.com. All right. Well, we got some things to talk about, um, <clears throat> you know, dealing with uh, our purpose as believers, as disciples of Christ today. But uh, before we do that, since it's been a long time, I just want to let the guys kind of tell you what's been happening with them. So whoever wants to jump in on that, go for it. Here, silence. And... All right, well, I guess I'll start. John. Um, so, I don't know, about a month ago, I was strongly encouraged to put in for a position in Motors, which is what our department calls the traffic unit um, to be a motor jock. And initially motorcycle, right? Yes. Oh, mo- okay. Motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what motor jock means if I didn't know you were doing oh. the motorcycle. Yet. Oh, yeah. well, I guess I, I take that for granted. Sounds yeah. like some kind of cream <laughs> motor jock. Um, initially I was disinterested because uh, honestly I hate writing tickets and I didn't want that to just be my job for eight hours a day. Word. Um, but a lot of, a lot of guys, a lot of supervisors even were like, yeah, you should really put in for it. So I was like, all right, whatever, I'll put in for it. Not really expecting to get it. I did it more for the experience. And then I get this phone call. It's like, congratulations, you've been selected. And I was like, thanks. You want to go again, like a game show for the kind of, yeah. So, you know, I start training, training's two weeks long, um, and they told me in the beginning, you don't know how to ride. I, ride. I have my own motorcycle. And they told me, you know, you don't know how to ride. You're going to drop the bike and you're going to be sore. And I'm like, eh, no, I'm not. I was wrong. Yeah. I did drop that bike. I did not know how to ride. And I am very sore still. But I passed. Um, I did very well. And I, honestly, going into it, I, I wasn't sure I wanted it. And then at the end, when we're testing, I, I, I realized that I'm hoping that I make it, you know, yeah. at a job I didn't think I wanted. And, um, you know, some, some of the anxiety was trying to creep in during the test. And I, and I just had to remind myself that, you know, if, if, if this is where God wants me, then I'm going to make it, yeah. I'm going to pass and it's going to be fine. Yeah. And, uh, that took care of that. So, yeah. so when do you, how do you know when you're official yet? I'm already official. Oh, you're yeah. already official. That, that was, that was, uh, that was Wednesday slash Friday. Um, and I start tomorrow. Nice. So mm-hmm. official, official tomorrow. Yeah. You'll be I mean, right. I'm. A, I got my wings and everything. I'm. You'll I'm, be right wings. Yeah. You get uh, so. <clears throat> so. Um, motors. The insignia is a motorcycle wheel with wings on it. And when I when mm. I became a drone pilot, we actually got wings for that too. Um, sort of like pilots, but not real pilots. Um, so yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's nice, man. 
I get paid get, very well to ride a motorcycle all Are you going to get to wear that like white space balls hat? They're, they're steel gray. Steel gray. That's yeah. good. That's better yeah. than the bright white. Right. Do you yeah. have to wear the long leather boots uh, to yes. your knees? Yes. Yes, I Ooh. do. The mm. knee boots. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's and the tight steam. pants that go yeah. into the boots. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Skinny pants. Super. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess it's all for like you know because your legs are so close to an engine and yeah. stuff like that. But. Yeah, that's that's yeah, it's, it's it's functional. It's not for looks. Yeah. Do you? Do, what about the leather gloves and all that business? You rocking all of it? So oddly enough, are you as cliche as I think you are. That's what I'm asking. No. So prior to this training, I always rode with gloves because it's just safer. If you have a wreck, you save your skin. But the way that we ride, the it's real technical. You're not necessarily going fast so you're doing a lot of really tight turns so you you have to have your tactile senses really honed in because you're you're doing minute throttle controls and all that and you just you can't feel that through a glove mm-hmm. very well uh so i ditched the gloves so i i uh, at work I, I will not ride with gloves um on my personal bike i still do that's cool yeah well, i figured they would have some kind of specialized glove for that by now no. Whatever. No. Whatever. Whatever. Well, that's cool. Brian, what do you got going on, dude? Well, since we last got together, um, let's see. Uh, really not an enormous amount of things have happened. I mean, me and my girlfriend were doing really well, so praise God for that. Mm-hmm. Um Work has been just as busy as it was at the beginning of the year. Nice. So I feel like the one thing that has, I probably am not the only Christian feeling this, but um, through the hecticness of this year, um, I would say that there's areas of my walk that are doing well and there's areas that are not. Um I think that in some ways, you know, I keep hearing this mantra with the the whole pandemic lifestyle, et cetera. But right. one thing that's interesting is, you know, you see, you hear all these sort of businesses and stuff that are like, you know, we're going to come out of this and we're going to be stronger. And I think that I've started to see that within my own church of that actually going through some of these things specifically for us um, just for us to, even in our disagreements on the way things should be, that it's actually helped us as a body to learn how to disagree right. and get along. That's like, good. And I think that's something for, for me personally that's that I'm starting to learn to do. Um, in my personal walk, I feel like one thing I haven't uh, been reading as much, uh, but... I will say, like, uh, that in my studies, one thing that's that I have been growing in is a deeper understanding of uh, the historical sort of uh, backdrop of the sort of entrance of Christ, and then specifically the growth of the church from a macro scale, like, you know, overview of the last 2,000 years. And that's something that I think especially when we come through these times of, um, of, you know, in society where there's major shifts like we've been seeing within, for example, our culture, uh, it, it puts a lot of things into perspective for me. And it's been very helpful to understand where the church has been, where it's going, how its beliefs in the sense of like its theology has shifted and changed over time, you know, drifted away, come back to the truth. Um, I, I think for me, it's been a major, um, just a really interesting enlightenment. It has helped me, I think, in some ways to grow. Um, so on top of that, I think we've been a lot of, uh, had an opportunity and to reflect on a lot of things too, especially with, uh, just, been seeking some counseling and things like that. So that's been helping. Uh, but I will say though, like overall, um, some areas I feel like that need to need to 
address in my in my walk though. So that's one thing I will say. I would think we all need to address areas of our walk. Yeah. Well, always, but I, I mean being like, you know, for my, I only can speak on myself, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. know other people. But don't doubt yourself too much. You got to get that so. together. Yeah. So you'll, you'll, you're, there's times when it's like heavy and then you have a lull and then you come back to heaviness. And I don't, I don't know why that is. I'm sure it's just us as people, but, and letting things get in the way, but, uh, you'll be fine. Well, for just as an FYI, John and I both have some new mics, Mm-hmm. So they're a little more sensitive than the one we're used to. Uh, so you may hear things happening in the house or jackets unzipping or chairs moving, but Sorry. much clearer voices. <laughs> as you heard my chair just now, you see that? Mm, it's wonderful for audio. Um, also, you may hear a baby cry. I just had a <gasps> what? little baby girl um, in the house. Clap, clap, clap. So little Nora. Uh, day name according to my wife's culture is a fia and then chirwa which sounds like uh, cheerio <laughs> and then shepherd so my little cheerio is resting cheerio a little resting well in the bassinet or hanging out with mom right now so mm-hmm. if you hear a cry <laughs> there you go you know what it is aside <laughs> from that just no. uh you know i'm tired oh yeah yeah sleep has been different but enjoyable i'm glad she's here um, watching labor is an experience that I don't want to go through twice, but I may have to have, I will do one another child, so I'll have to do it. Mm. But, uh, oh, it's a beautiful thing, man. So happy she's here. Aside from that, I'm just, uh, I find myself getting a little distracted by the day and day, uh, around town and this, and as Brian said, this has been a pretty interesting year and, and a strange time at that. And, and I just want to make sure that, uh, you know, when I think about it, when I get in my word, I, I seek strength and confidence and assurance in Jesus. Um, and, uh, so that's one thing that, you know, I think Brian's kind of saying, and, and John will tell you that too, is just that this has been a strange year for being in the word and, and, uh, understanding that because everywhere you're looking, you're tempted to to fall into some argument or fall into something that is not of Christ. It's of this world. And so I think it's been good uh, doing our Bible studies, continue to church. And we've been diving into like Matthew and understanding what Christ says to his disciples and how we're to be in the world and how we're to go out and, and uh, how we're to not have fear in the midst of things that can be very scary. And in other cultures and other countries, uh, they're dealing with some of these things. And here in America, we deal with them too, but in a different dynamic. But uh, I think that it's becoming more and more, uh, you know, violent for some people out there and some people not. We're not like here in Texas. We're not really seeing it, you know, but other states, they're experiencing some violence and some, you know, outrage and, and things that people want out of the world and out of their lives in this earth. Uh, but as Christians, I just, you know, want to encourage us all to hold fast to, to Christ because that's our strength, nothing in this world. Our income, our home, our money, our car, even our family is not more important than Christ. And I think that that's quite evident. So anybody have anything else to say before we pop into this? Well, that goes into the topic yeah. that you're talking about. So what it, what it, so Aaron's bringing it today. What's, what's on the table? Well, you know, I've noticed that there's a lot of Christians out there, whether it be social media or people that you talk to, that are either horrifically enthralled in politics, especially in America, or confusing patriotism with Christianity and and different things. And and so as I was going through my Bible study notes, I actually went, me and John have been studying it together before we go and I go into the Bible study, and it really helps to have this perspective. Um, And... We've been really breaking down some of the things that Christ has been saying to his disciples, how he sends them out to the cities in Judea. He tells them how they're supposed to enter the cities and be in the cities. And through that, though, Christ keeps mentioning, do not have fear, do not have fear, do not have fear. Uh, And then as he says that, right after he says it, it's like, it's almost kind kind of funny because he says, don't have fear. And then he says, if you're imprisoned or if this or if that or, and so you know, as I've watched some of the things that have happened over on the Western coast and, uh, hear about other things that happen in other countries when it comes to people worshiping and, and believing, uh, in Christ, I started to read through this and, and it really, it kind of hit me that 
you know, this world is, is truly temporal. And I want to encourage you guys that whatever happens in this world, it's, it's temporary. Uh, our, our true, our true end is in, is to be in heaven with our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. So when Jesus tells us, don't have fear, he says, don't have fear. Even if what your body gets destroyed mm-hmm. because they cannot draw destroy the soul, Correct. but to fear the one who can destroy the soul and the body. So when it comes to physical harm, when it comes to imprisonment and most importantly, what the truth does is it cuts between a society and it can rip families apart. So the scripture that I, I noticed, it was kind of correlating between the things that Christ said when he was talking to um, <clears throat> the disciples and the things that Christ encourages them with in the latter portion, chapter of uh, 10 in Matthew. So I'll just read this real quick. Uh, so he's already, he's told them what they're to do to go out and to, and to be disciples. And he go, he tells them, um, in chapter uh, 10, verse 16, it says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. So that's, you know, people suing you, if you will, here in America. People taking you to court because you offend them, because you brought Jesus in, into the conversation. And you will be dragged before governors, kings, for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. And when they deliver you over, do not be anxious for what you are to say. What, uh, <clears throat> for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. And then right here at 21 really gets to me. It says, Brother will deliver brother over to death, father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And this is all for the name of, of Christ. Because they were so against it at the time. They, they still are, but people still are, but they were so against it at the time that they were willing to, to, to turn each other in, even blood. Um, so, you know, I thought that was interesting. And as we go down, Jesus says, he keeps telling them, do not have fear. So through 26 and, and through 32, he discusses the, what that may look like and how they can even kill you, um, but they can't take your soul. So... In the very end, though, what really hit me was that Jesus says this in 34. It says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And persons' enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves a daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me, and whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So I'm just going to throw that out there and let you guys jump in there. If you will, because I got a lot to say and I've been talking a lot. So aren't <laughs> y'all going to jump in there and, and, and give me your options on that? Because to me, that's very powerful. And that speaks to the time of Christ and it speaks to our time now, honestly. I guess I'd start with back up at verse 16 where it says persecution will come. In uh, unfortunately, in today's church, not all of them, but there's the baby girl. Yeah. Um, they don't, they don't teach this. They don't prepare the congregation for the potential of backlash because of your proclaiming Christ. So you've got a whole generation of believers that want to share the gospel and then they start getting pushback and they freak out and like, they don't, they don't know how to handle it. They don't know what to do. Um, and you know, there was a time where I was concerned about that, but as I, as I proceeded in my walk, I, I, I came to the understanding that it's not me that they're mad at. They think they're mad at me and they think they hate me, but it's not me, it's Christ. And I came to the realization that if I'm, you know, trying to speak scripture and truth with somebody that I can tell them that, and you know, I could tell them, "Hey, you're you're upset, and you're yelling at me, but you're really upset at God. Like your issue is with God, not me. Your issue is with Christ, and you've got to make a decision, you know, uh, uh, yay or nay, you know, for for Christ. It ain't about me." And um, and that was a 
pretty important turning point for me. Uh, it's something I still work on. Um, I don't, I mean, I'll, I'll, I will share the gospel, but I'm, I don't think I'm anywhere near as bold and vocal as I should be. And I want to be better at that. Um, I, I will, I will, I am much more, what's the word? vocal about it on on my personal instagram and on facebook than i am in real life and that that really needs to change um however you know the pushback that i get online does help me to um be able to i guess the word would be debate people yeah sure um which i guess is 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 gonna set me up for you know when i talk to someone in person and then you know I've, I've I've talked to a coworker about it. You know he you know we we differ in a few things. I love the guy, and he, and I know he loves Christ, but there there's a few things theologically that that we don't agree on. And I at the time I I knew I knew a little bit on how to defend where I was standing, but I didn't know I wasn't sufficient, and so I was my arguments were somewhat weak. If we had that discussion now, I I would feel a lot more confident. Um. And then you get down to where he says, have no fear. Uh, That too, I think today is just not taught as well as it should be. Mm. Um, You know, Christ in in here, and I know he's talking to his disciples, but it's pertinent to us today too. He says, you will face persecution. Not you might, not you could, you will. Uh, because we are in a fallen world that's ruled right now by the little G God, which is Satan, and and you will have backlash. And he says, "Don't worry about what they're going to do to you." And you know, in this country, we're not really familiar with that. But you've got Christians yeah, we're, in Iran. We're tame. Huh? We're tame. Compared oh to yeah, oh yeah. You got Christians in China, Iran, North Korea, Russia. That I mean, they're being uh, slaughtered. Nigeria, they're being slaughtered. Yeah. Just because they proclaim Christ and. And what Christ is saying here is in that moment, don't don't fear them. Yeah, they can inflict pain, they can maim you, they can kill you. But like you said, it's all temporary. Yeah. Your soul is secure in Christ and you are gonna be fine. And you're gonna look back on this and say, Oh, you know, you know, that was just a blip on the radar and I'm in eternity now. So it's not it's not to to get caught up with trying to save your life here, because if you do that, you're going to lose it. You're going to oh, yeah. lose. Oh yeah. Um, if you're willing to lose everything you have here, then you will gain everything in eternity. Right. That's that's the very end of that that uh, <clears throat> right. that little bit I did. And um, just before we started recording, you know, when you get down into um, verse thirty-four. Uh, where Christ is talking about, I'm not here to bring peace in the world, but a sword. The way I understand that, and, and maybe you guys agree or don't, but that's basically Christ saying that you're, it's, it's all or nothing. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not saying literally hate your father. That's not what he means. What he means is if you're, if you're for him, you're all in. And if your own family, you know, has an issue with that and wants to disown you, well, then so be it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, bless you, sir. Thank you. We got that in high def. High <laughs> <laughs> definition sneezes. That's what we need right now. Yeah. What do you think, Brian? Yeah. Um. I was trying to think about uh one thing that I've been doing lately when it comes to the word is I, I think. Especially when I'm reading these, you know, obviously real accounts, like this is like really happened. He's talking to his disciples in this particular instance in this whole chapter. Um, and I think um, what I find interesting about the just, I guess, generally um, what's being said is the impact that it's having on the particular people that he's speaking to in this instance. So... Chapter 10 starts with, like, this whole, to put this in the context, context of where it's coming from, like, we right. start out with this 
talking to the apostles themselves, mm-hmm. right? He's given them basically a mini, so, great, a great commission, but like mm-hmm. a mini commission. That's right. So he gives them the commission to go tell people about me, like you would tell somebody about the coming of a king, right? Right. Uh, this was common in that time. It's like, you know, you would go and proclaim this person is king, right? So... Um, initially he says, go among the Jews. Don't go to the Gentiles at all. No Samaritans, no Gentiles, no Greeks, no anybody else within the Roman Empire, just Judea. Go to them first, tell them about me. And then he says here, you know, from verses 5 all the way down to 15, he's speaking directly to the persecution, at least how they're supposed to approach evangelism to the Jews themselves. Right. And And then Jesus sort of takes a moment here. Right, so he's talking about what he's telling them to do in that particular instance, and then he's like, "Okay, now let me tell you about this going forward from now on." Mm. Right, when you're even when you're speaking out to the Gentiles, which at this point I want to be clear, um, at least from the understanding of the apostles, it should be like Romans, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, even to them at this point, they're not even like th- this is you know we're coming from like you know having all the letters of Paul and Peter and, and the epistles right. so these guys are literally these, just they, going they out. had no idea at this point like yeah. what even they may even be going to the Gentiles at all that that this gospel was for the Gentiles right they were still questioning all of that at this point so um and then he sort of sort of it's like Jesus takes a moment to speaking to the apostles he's speaking back to all Christians later i mean this is like resounding 2000 years later and he says don't you know i'm i'm coming this is what i'm here for like i'm sending people out and i'm i'm going to send you out like sheep to the slaughter essentially you know that like a sheep to a wolf um that you are helpless against these people and I just think, like, man, if you're actually, I don't know that the apostles probably were like listening to that deeply at the moment, but yeah. to understand that you're sitting, you know, you're thinking this whole time up to this point that this man whom you're following is the lineage son of David, he's going to go crown himself Caesar, right? Right. He's right. going to take back, well, not crown himself Caesar. He's just going to take but Judea, become king, yeah, of Judah, of of the. Israeli kingdom, because up to this point, that is the way the Jews understood that this kingdom would come about. So, all of a sudden, he turns to him and says, you are about to get persecuted, not by Gentiles, but your own people, because all these men are Jews. Like, your own people are going to vehemently reject what you're saying, because they're rejecting me. Yeah, his own rejected him in in, in first chapter of John. I mean, yeah, same thing. Yeah, so... It's like, so you are being sent out to your own blood to be rejected, right? And then he, and then he goes even closer to home later. He says, I, I'm, I'm telling you that if you follow me in general, you may end up losing your family. You, you may know. end up losing yes. people in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you may end up being in a situation. I, I, I was just thinking about this as I was reading it and I was like, you know, that is something just to just to harp on that for two, two minutes. Um, it's something that we have a really difficulty understanding with Christianity, because I think that when we, when we think about Christianity, I've said this, we've had this conversation, I think all three of us are said that, you know, especially in Western culture, Christianity, like, like European West, like what we come from, like the Protestants, Catholics, things like that. Um, there's a deep sort of intrinsic idea within Christianity that, when you do things like like this sort of God is karma situation where it's like you do these things and then God's going to bless you with things. It's kind like, of a, a even attachment if, to legalism. E- a even bit, if yeah. we don't believe in material blessings. So like, you know, we can like nod our heads at uh, like, you know, like shake our heads over at guys like uh, Joel Steed. It's like, that's ridiculous. Of course, God's not going to give you a new house if you pray. Like, but we, we can shake our heads at those people, but then we do the same thing with spiritual things where we'll say like, you know, well... If I, it's almost like we follow God so that we'll have a better marriage, right? Or we'll have a better situation yes, or life. I, that has happened a lot, yeah. And it's like, Make but God, God the center of everything. But yeah. Christ is like making a really bold statement like, you may follow me and actually lose everything, yeah, mm-hmm. including your own family. That's a reflection. What you're saying is like a reflection yeah. of Job. Yeah, I was right. just thinking that, yeah. And yeah. so, it, you know, I think like, you know, obviously for us, I think it's it's worthy to praise and to say things like, 
you know, I'm really thankful, Lord, that you didn't call, you called me and then I'm in a, for example, a, you know, a marriage, like in your case, Aaron, you know, that's like, like you're married to a Christian woman and like, you're not having to deal with this stuff. Mm-hmm. But like imagining, I'll give a cold hard example of this in, uh, we had some, we had a, uh, um, a family member or not family, I'm sorry, I'm getting like mixed up. So we had a, uh, uh, a girl at our church used to go to a Den Bible church. Church that, family member. Yes, there you go. Church family. That she uh, was a uh, um, ministered in China for gosh ten years as faith. Yeah. And I just remember I don't I mean I'll have to get confirmation, but for the the gist of this story that she told of a girl that she was ministering to there in China, and um, she had been ministering to her, and then she actually accepted Christ as her Savior. It came out. And then, of course, the scary part came, which was, I've got to go tell my family. Right? Oh, man. So then she goes and she tells her father, and her father, without any real emotion, just looks at her and says, you are no longer my daughter. Mm-hmm. I never want to see you ever again. Yeah. And that's it. And Faith had to go help her to get things out of her home and move in with her. And that's it. That's that's what I'm that's talking it. about, man. Like, yeah, people don't understand that. And there's also, you know, here in America, the, there's also that it's kind of like the the opposite of that. So yeah. someone someone Christ reveals himself to someone and they accept him and and become Christians, and uh, they go back and tell their family. And then instead of their family kicking them out because they come from a culture like that. They let them be around, but they scrutinize them all the mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm, oh, well, don't, yeah. don't don't ask so and so. They're you know they're they're just going to tell you all their Christian stuff, you know, or or vice versa. You have you pray earnestly for your family to 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 be in the kingdom, and you don't know something happens. You don't know, or you never know. You hear about people praying for their parents or their grandparents, or I'm sure John's prayed for his family before. And well, and, and, and to bring that even closer to home, getting in context that you have these Jewish men that are being told initially, you're going to be an enemy to your own rabbis. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about this recently, like even, you know, getting in a disagreement with your church staff or your pastor. And you think, you know, these are people who grew up with these, with this tradition and this hope and this longing for a, 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 a the God Man to come, or God to incarnate Himself and come, and to lead Israel out of captivity. And it's like, so you've been hoping with your brothers and your sisters, physical blood sisters and brothers, and, and I just think like the hard truth that Jesus is putting in their heads to say. Actually, guys, like those same people you grew up with, the the men that you respected, they may end up killing you mm-hmm. for yeah. following me. True. I mean, it's it's uh, under it can't be understated the level of impact that you that you can have, and I think um, I think that you know obviously it, it it really is sort of the 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 like you said the sword the separating sword because. Christ, uh, what does he say toward the end of this? He says, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me, meaning like take up, you know, bear the, uh, uh, the cross of, um, of, uh, persecution, bear the cross of, of all these things. I mean, even just a, a great example, you know, when you think about, um, other cultures that maybe, um, I mean, to take this into a more nuanced form, you know, you have like, uh, some cultures that may put a, a huge emphasis on a particular person, like, uh, like say a daughter or something like getting married. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then if she came to her father and said, I've decided that I'm going to dedicate my life to the Lord, like in, in a different way, like I'm going to be a missionary to a dangerous place on earth or uh-huh. something like that. Right. And it's like, it, that's a less nuanced example of, of again, like, you know, potentially even getting turned against your own. And that like, would be a, that could even be in a home where they grew up thinking that everybody in the house was Christian too. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And the dad and the parents still have this, like, you know, this Western idea that or, we must get married and we must do this. And this is a blessing and this and this. Yeah. That, that gets really complicated. Yeah. Cause, too. cause yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's what I mean by nuanced. Like yeah. it's, it's something that's not as in your face, but yeah. it's something that, 
when we really sit to think about what are we excited about, you know, I, I, I just, I have to say this, I, I know I'm talking a lot, but I have to say this, my pastor, our me- member meeting, it was really funny. He, he's such a very like calm man. And like, I really appreciate that about him because yeah. he doesn't really like, he says things very sort of under the breath, but right. we're in the middle of this meeting and we had been up until this point on zoom, on the zoom call with the whole, like, the whole church talking about, um, we had mentioned like, you know, 11 new members of the church and then like 12 people that had accepted Christ. Like, and we actually like had them in the meeting and like we like platform or whatever. And, um, and then we get to this point where he's just starting to make some jokes later on. And he's like, Oh, Hey, so-and-so I see you're cooking some barbecue out there, you know, like why I had on zoom. Yeah. And then, and then a bunch of people start laughing and then cheering and stuff. Yeah. And then he goes, he goes, he goes, that's cool, brother. That's cool. I'm just saying that we just uh, celebrated more for the barbecue than we did for 11 people coming to know the Lord. But um, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> it's true. <Yeah. laughs> like, it's true. I was like, whoa, yeah. he just said that. Yeah. He just so. said that. I'm sorry, but that's the point I'm trying to make. I think that it, 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 I think that really what it comes down to for me when I read this, Aaron is like, is that Jesus is telling us like, everything unto me period like yeah. your life is my life is absolutely, mine yeah. no longer yours absolutely yeah. so after that long dissertation <laughs> what do you got I, mean, I'm, I got things to say I don't want to go too far here but do you got anything else to jump in John for a, yeah, yeah I was going to rewind a little bit earlier you were saying that um, a lot of people uh, mistakenly focus in on either the material blessings or even spiritual blessings and and you're right, and and something that I uh, I came to understand during my training on on for this motor jock position, um, I'm in the, I'm in the midst of testing, and before each exercise that we have to do, I'm I'm praying. I'm I'm basically praying to the whole test, <clears throat> and I'm telling myself, you know, I'm not. I haven't placed my confidence in my abilities. I'm not placing my confidence in the instructors. I, I kept telling God, you are my confidence. And I I understood that while he had brought me to that place to interview for this position, to test for his position, and yes, while I believe that he brought me there because that's where he wants me, I also understood that whether I make it or not, I'm going to be happy because it's... He he it's he's sovereign, it's his his deal, he's in control. And regardless of what happens, I need to be joyful. Mm. And it's the same thing for persecution. And I forget what verse it is, but the I think it was Paul and one or two other disciples that were being flogged and beaten, and they counted it as joy that they were worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. I think it was an axe. Yeah, yeah I think it was axe. Yep. Yeah. Instead of being scared or when they got beat for the beautiful gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, miracles and they kept teaching and preaching yeah. and then they got beat up for it. They said they would count it a joy. Yeah. yeah. So because if you're being, if you're generally being persecuted because of your faith, then what that tells me is that they see Christ in you, which is where you want to be, whether they celebrate that or they hate you for it. Mm. Um, mm. And, and I think that's the whole point of that last part of chapter 10. Well, what you see in Matthew coming all the way up to this is what a Christian is to look like mm-hmm. and how we're supposed to see ourselves, uh, never to see ourselves as more than Christ or the ability to be Christ um, because Christ comes to fulfill the law. He says that in the beginning of the chapter and then later on he does the Beatitudes, which gives you an idea of how you're supposed to approach Christ, which is meekness is in there um, to being humble and thirsting for righteousness and all those things. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> so... When you see the first part of chapter 10 and Jesus gives him the commission, the very first thing he tells him is don't go pack a bag. Don't go out with expectations of receiving anything. You're out to give and give alone. Mm. And the only thing that you can take is your bare necessities, food and lodging, wherever you stay. Mm. You're not to take change of clothes. You're not to take anything with you. Food, lodging, where you stay. To be humble and meek when you enter these cities, not a loud, obnoxious presence. Yeah. That, and that's that, huge. That's there. So they go out, they do that. That's the first thing he tells them to do. In that, just beginning there, 
that's going to offend, right? You're coming to tell me about this great king, as Brian was telling me about this savior, tell me the kingdom of heaven is near and that I should repent. And who are you? Some beggar, some vagabond just walking around the town yelling out craziness? No, that's not who you are. What I think is really especially um, special about this is, is that Jesus tells them all this and he tells them you're going to suffer. And we can see this even in America. You're going to be brought again into the courthouse. You're going to be, you're going to be sued. You're going to be whatever you want to call it. They're called flogged and beaten in front of governors and kings, but we're brought in front of people. I mean, we see this in our country now. This year alone, we've seen Christian churches being brought in front of the governor, mm-hmm. in front of the governor, in front of the uh, judicial uh, people. Over and over and over again, they're coming in. They were taking, trying to take their land, trying to take anything they could do to shut them down to make them fall suit of the policy of the world. But um, that pastor stood strong and said that he, his leader is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the only person he follows. There's no president. There's no, um, you know, what do they call it outside prime minister? There's no nothing that's going to be above Christ the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's who he follows. And and he stood there and he literally was persecuted in a, in not a physical way per se, but in the, in the bringing in front of Kings and judging. Oh, yeah. um, and then, you know, as you go on through, you see, he tells them, you know, you're, you're sheep amongst wolves. These things are going to happen. And this truth that you're speaking, the sword, I think it's very impactful for us to understand that Christ was not, he does, he did love us and he did die for us, but he didn't come as a lovey dovey, comfortable, wonderful cloud jumping harp in my hand, wings, touch the light on my hand, whatever you want to call it, Jesus. He came as a, as a warrior king for us. And he may not have been swinging a physical sword, but his sword was so strong that it separated communities, families, groups of people, cities, towns, whatever. And just his representatives alone, which were like baby daggers, if you will, of the sword, just little shad of that sword would go out and disrupt an entire town. And what was crazy was that Jesus was so, the way he spoke was so humble, but yet so powerful because he tells them, you go from town to town. If you're persecuted, flee. Wipe your sandals, he tells them first. Second time he says, flee, for the Son of Man is coming to that town. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's not the Son of Man's coming to the town to hug everybody, to no, love on them. No, no, he's no. coming to bring even more truth to that town. He's going to, he's going to, whatever you did was nothing in comparison. Even though he tells them to go out and heal and do similar things that he had done, and he gave them that power, he tells them, you'll never be like me. You'll be like me, but you will not be me, and I will come next to this town. So don't worry. If you, if what happens there, you've shared the gospel, move on because Christ is coming. And when Christ comes, he's the one who makes well, the change. And so I think that's huge to me. Yeah. Um, if you, if you stop on that for a second too, yeah. within the context of that time period, yeah. this was common that if a king was coming to conquer, oh, it's he true. would send in his servants beforehand to say, I'm, I'm coming, everybody bow the knee. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And if the ones that didn't accept that, there you go. Didn't bow the knee. Well, the king was coming. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then later on in chapter 11, we'll get into that another day. Mm-hmm. Um, Christ talks about who, who, who gets to see the father and that goes through him. Yeah. So that he is the king. I mean, they didn't bow the knee. They may not have died there, but they are going to die the true death. This physical death is not death. That's not real death. That is a temporal thing yeah. that we experience in our bodies. It's it's the eternal death and damnation of being away from God. Um, but yeah, Jesus goes through the town, like you said, like a king. He comes behind them. Um, and then in the end, he keeps telling them, don't have no fear. Don't have no fear. No matter what they do to you, guess who's coming next? Because I didn't come to bring peace on earth, but I brought a sword, Right. What I've got to say, it doesn't matter if brothers are turning in brothers and fathers are turning in brothers. I knew that was going to happen because when I brought what we brought, it's going to cause that kind of separation. So I think it's just really assuring to me uh, as a Christian uh, that no matter what happens to any country, to any government, to any world, to any town, to any you know household, community, church, family that you may be in that's having you know intersections, that is because truth is coming into play. And when truth comes into play, um, let Christ do his thing. 
you do your part and then move on. Don't sit there and, and try to fight with people and argue with people and be prideful because that's not what he asked us to do. He asked us to wipe our feet and leave. And if the, and he says in there, he says, if the person that you're dealing with is not worthy of me, which he explains who's worthy of him in the end of chapter 10, right? If he's not worthy of me or they are not worthy of me, do not let your peace be on that house and move on. So don't, don't entertain them. Just move on. That's really similar to what we do with, with, um, the group I go out with the homeless, you know, we'll, I mean, we just, we'll drive around downtown Dallas and we find out where they are and we just get out and walk right up to them and start talking to them. And we, you know, we, we, we try to preach Christ to them and salvation and what all that means. But inevitably you, you're going to run into people that are, that are just vehemently against it. And we don't sit there and argue with them or beg them or whatever. We say what needs to be said. If they don't receive it, we move on to the next person and, and. And that's just, it's just that's that, all we can do because judgment's know. coming. Yeah. And that'll be the well, ultimate decider. And that, and that brings you to my next statement. You know, a lot of, I, can't, I hate that I keep saying this, but a lot of churches are preaching this lovey dovey, Jesus is my homeboy, yeah. you know, and oh, he loves everybody. And he loves his own. He came here to fulfill the law to, and it was a sacrifice for his sheep. So that when he comes back, he's not coming back, you know, all happy, go lucky, all everything's at peace. No, he's coming back to judge the world under holy, righteous, and final judgment and to ultimately deal with all evil, all sin, everyone who rejected him. It is not going to be pretty. Right. And they don't, a lot of people don't understand that. Like he, like you said, he is a warrior. Yes, he is a good shepherd. Yes, he loves those who are his. But that's not all he is. Like yeah. he, when he comes back, it is going to be absolutely. If you if you terrifying. think about the the idea in Revelation, it says his tongue will be like a double edged sword. Yeah. That's that's the judgment that he's going to pass. Yeah, that's not like he's you know like people think that Jesus is going to come out with some sword hanging out of his mouth. No, his tongue's a double edged sword. It means it cuts, and sin is our issue. And if we have not been, if we have not been saved, if we do not know Christ. No matter what we do, he's going to cut us right oh, there. Yeah. There's no second chance after that. There's no, I died, now give me another chance. There's no purgatory where I can wait for people to pray for me enough. No. Christ comes back with a double-edged sword. Christ is talking about a sword here, and he comes back with a double-edged sword as his tongue is a double-edged sword. So that's not, he doesn't have a sword coming out of his mouth. No, he is the judge, mm. jury, and executioner. Yeah, And he's judge, jury, and executioner even when he's walking the face of the earth. And he sends the warning out. My, de- my father and I are one. He says in John, my father has given over to me the ability to, to take and remove life or to give life or to judge. I will come back to judge. Right. He come back to judge. So when he says he's coming back through those towns, they better worry. He's the towns aren't over yet. Well, this was just Judea. The Great Commission is all over the world. So if all over the world were to be speaking the gospel and then somebody doesn't accept it, they need to worry because yeah. the son of man will come back. And he well, does it have says a later, sword. I think, towards the end of chapter 10, where he says that for those towns that do not receive me, it will be more bearable in in judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be for these towns. That's chapter 11, yeah. Oh, he, was it? Yeah, I okay, think that's the beginning ahead. of chapter 11. Yeah, he talks about Ooh. they go to the towns yeah. and all those works that were done yeah. in those towns. And the work, I would say even the works that people see today mm-hmm. uh, in, those, in the towns that we have today. If Sodom and Gomorrah had had those works done, they would have repented. repented. Yeah. That's how much work Christ is doing in the world. Yeah, how much at grace time, he's giving right how now. How much grace and mercy he's given in that time and now. And to think that Sodom and Gomorrah, who we all use as a reference of what a, a town filled with sin is like, to think that we're, those towns were festering just as much as Sodom and Gomorrah, and he had the mercy not to destroy them there, but to let them know that the judgment coming is going to be worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's hellfire coming from the sky, yeah. destroying a town. Yeah. So they knew what he was talking about, the Jews did, and the, and, and, um, the Israelites um, when he was going through the towns. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And he even thanks God later on in chapter 11 and says, you know, thank you, Father, for your decision not to have grace on these towns that these works were done in, for they rejected you. 
Um, it's a really interesting look into Matthew. So anyway, I don't want to get into all that stuff right now. We can we can do that another day. But I just want to encourage everybody not to have fear and not to let this uncertainty of this year in America, this year of 2020, dealing with a pandemic. We've seen pandemics in the Bible. You can go back to the Old Testament and read about sicknesses, pandemics. God put them on earth as judgments. Uh, so whether you believe it or not, we may be going through a small judgment ourselves. And I think that he's thinning out the herd and we're seeing who's here. So stand firm in Christ. Do not worry about what somebody's going to say or do to you, even in the future, if things change. You know, people are so skeptical about politics and government. We know that it's got to change. We know that it has to change. And it's not for the better for us, for the most part. It'll never be for the better for us. There's no utopia on this earth for Christians. There's no utopia for us. Our utopia is with Christ in heaven. So continue to stand firm. Be humble. Don't seek material things. Now, I'm not saying that if you have a, if you're get, God doesn't bless you with a, a good job to take care of your family. There's a reason why that job's there. It's not so you can buy Mercedes or go and flippantly spend the money. He gives you a job to take care of your family, to provide. I've, I'm so blessed that I have this house. I don't know how I got it. We almost didn't, weren't going to be able to get a house. We got the house. I got a raise. All those things I thank God for, but everything that I have is not for me. It's not for my personal gain. Mm-hmm. That is because God is using me and my job as a utensil to take care of my newborn baby and the two teens and my wife. And she has a job too. And they're allowing you know her to take care of us. And so that is what I need to be thankful for. I don't sit around and ask him for things that I don't need. This house is not the biggest house in the world, but it is fulfilling our needs. And that's all that I need to be happy with. And to pursue it outside of that, to go to God for gain on this world would be a foolish errand when he tells his own disciples to go without accepting pay, to give the good news and do not fight with anybody about it. Get up, give the good news, get out of town. You will be persecuted. There's going to be hate. There's going to be all these things that we see even in our world today. Um, people want to, you can paint it with whatever you want to paint it with, but hate has always been there from the beginning. And, and I just want to encourage everybody to stand firm in the gospel, stand firm in, in Christ and know that Christ is your strength, not anything else. He will come back. And he will take those judgments and it's up to him to do that. It's not up to us, you know, to fight that fight. Anything else? I'm sorry, guys. No, I'm trailing off here. Well, one last thing I'd say, I I think to just to extend it a little further on that. I mean, um, we have a we have a king. And I think that on our, you know, when you consider this passage of Matthew and something that I have been as I've been reading along that same line of realizing that the impact for the Jewish people from Christ is that this is the king they were waiting for. Mm-hmm. And not just to bring about spiritual change, but but political change. If they had read their Bibles, or at least their, their Torah, they would have seen that this pattern made sense, because what did God do when he fixed Israel and Samuel? He starts with the priesthood. He removes the priesthood and puts Samuel in place. Mm-hmm. And then he starts with the politics, and he puts David in place, yeah. right? And so he cleans up first the hearts, right? then he cleans up the politics. Right. And I think um, right now we're in the process of the heart being cleaned. At some point, there is a day that will come when Christ will return to gather those sheep up, and literally we will be like reigning along with Christ in a spiritual, whatever you want to call it, it's going to be a physical kingdom. Right. So the promise that was made, that's that's what Paul was trying to argue with the Jews about, is that, look, you read in Isaiah, you read in Ezekiel, you read these prophecies, it is real. And I think that why, why would that, it's like Jesus saying to them, not just for the Jews themselves, but also for Gentiles, why would that be a threat? Because though you're proclaiming a spiritual kingdom, you're still claiming to physical kings and, and queens at that time period that actually even considered themselves to be gods. That, no, you are not God, period. And also, there is a king coming that is greater than all of you, mm-hmm. right? Um, interestingly enough, this is something that even a thousand years later, that the 
the Vikings were so interested in Christians over because they couldn't understand this idea from Christianity that like, you're telling me that you're, you serve a king that's not that actual king that's sitting on the throne, but you, you like, you are serving like all of Europe at the time had been converting to Christianity. And they're like, you're serving this like king that doesn't exist. Like, what is that? Like that has no meat to it. Right. And of course that king is a threat. And I, I think when we consider the political situation in our country or any other sort of culture, I think that's something to keep in mind is that one day these kings are going to get are going to get overtaken, right? Oh yeah, all of them. And, all ten of them, um, <laughs> right? Yeah. Even you know the good and the bad necessarily. Yeah. And and when you look at the, at what we have in prophecy, especially at the end of times, you don't necessarily get uh, um. You don't get a, a good picture that, you know, though there's nations that will support the Israelites or at least the, you know, the church, uh, pretty much none of them are going to support, really. Like, yeah. they're going to do their own thing. It's the Christians are going to be alone as they always have been. Yeah. And it, I think and, uh, that's something to keep in mind as, 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 as we go forward, because it's not like um, anyone was going to give us real hope. But I think on the other note, too, on this particular passage... Um, I, I thought about this as we're just thinking about, you know, from a political standpoint, Hebrews 34, uh, 1034 says, for you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Yeah. So, I mean, quite a statement to make. Yeah. That's tough, dude. I mean, somebody comes in and, you know, cuts down all your crops, takes everything from you. It happened. And it happens today. It happens all the time, like in different ways. And I think, um, you know, for us as Christians, does that look like maybe we say something at our jobs? I, I think if you go out, look. Like, I think the, the context here is like, if you go out looking for conflict, you'll get conflict. But what Jesus is saying is you're not even going to be looking for conflict, mm-hmm. but they're going, the conflict will find you. And um, don't worry. Oh, there's the baby <laughs> girl. enough time, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, Anyways, man. That's uh, my last thought on that, and I'm done. Just go, just go out there. I think that the, the the key there too, on top of that, that I want to add is humble yourself. Yes. Don't don't have an expectation outside of heaven. Heaven is yes. the ultimate expectation. Yes. Humble yourself and don't let the things of this world sway you from the gospel. That's right. It's just noise. Um, give 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 try and this is hard to say because I can't do it. I have a hard time doing it. But give as much as you can of yourself to Christ and allow him to submit everything to him, submit your family, your whatever it is, submit it to him. And you know, and, and when things don't go the way you think they should in the earth, remember that's not because God hates you or doesn't like you. It's because your purpose is not whether or not you have what you think you should have. And that's not what he intended. And these disciples that he sent out, just to reiterate, were not men of great candor. No. They were fishermen and sinners and tax collectors. And, and these were men that were that were brought into being the leaders of, of our church. I mean, they were they were grown by Christ personally into and groomed into, I mean, people that are above even the scholars of this earth. Uh, through the Holy Spirit. And I think that that happens with our Christians today. So no matter how smart you think you are with the Bible or not smart, it doesn't matter. Uh, as as Matthew says, the Spirit of the Father is who's going to speak through you when the yep. time comes. It's yep. not it's not you. So quit worrying for words. Just talk about your beautiful and amazing Savior and make it a part of your life and live a life filled with Jesus. And it'll show to anyone. They'll probably come to you before long if they're not just offended by you. Um, you know, it's kind of like uh, <laughs> whatever, like uh, you've seen it in movies or something when somebody's too bubbly and joyful and offends everybody around them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same idea when you love the Lord Jesus Christ and, and you're not afraid to you know, have a discussion about it, not necessarily like yell in everybody's face, but have a discussion about it or your general conversation always leads to church or friendship or that you have or something you read in the Bible or the strength that you have in Christ. I mean, you can't help it when it's surrounded by you like that when you're when you have Christ and, and people just get offended. They don't like it. That's not that's not something they can see themselves being helped by. It's just some fake stuff, you know, and it just makes them mad because they think you're talking nonsense, you know, so whatever. 
you know, John, you got last things to say before we close it down? No, I'm, I'm in agreement with it all. I've got a lot of work to do in my own walk. So I just keep pressing in. Yeah. All right. Well, and of course, what do we all do as yeah. in general? We just love Jesus. Love Jesus. Love Jesus. <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks everybody for coming in. Uh, I hope you enjoy the time. Sorry if we went a little longer than normal. It's been a while since we did a podcast. I'm sure we'll edit it all up and shorten it down for you. Um, I hope that uh, you guys stay strong in the Lord Jesus and stay strong in, in your Father and uh, continue keeping your eyes above instead of things of this earth. Lord. So um, if you have any questions, concerns, disagreements even, uh, reach out to us. Uh, John, where's that at? Lay it on dot the table on Instagram. Lay it on the table for at Gmail. There you go. Uh, and we hope that uh, you enjoyed yourself, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine.